Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We're going to be starting a series of messages today speaking about what the Bible is good for. This is going to be our key scripture probably for several weeks to come as it speaks about what we use the Bible for and what it's good for. In this verse it's going to tell us what the Bible is good for. Let's start this morning and let's read 2 Timothy three, sixteen and 17. This is what the scripture says. <clears throat> All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It tells us in this verse right here that Scripture is given to us so that we might be able to please God and it glist these things. Today is going to be my introduction to the series that we're going to be going to, and it's going to be addressing the Bible. The world would be a better place if our countries, if our nations, if our leaders would turn back to the Bible. I was a teenager when this song came out, and it just it just stands out to me. Listen to the words of this song. Uh, and we should apply this to our lives. Get back to the Bible
Let me tell you what that, that little... Uh, uh, did y'all get the idea behind that little song? We got to get back to the Bible. Now this is going to sound strange. I, I love these little devotion books that they come out with nowadays and they'll put a little section of a piece of a scripture or something and you read it and then they'll have a little story that goes along with it and I'm not saying that those are bad. But if you're using that to replace your Bible reading, we need to get back to the Bible. If if you sit there and you listen to a preacher preach every single day and he goes and he stands and he takes some scripture and he reads that scripture and then he preaches or expounds on that scripture for 30 minutes and you're not reading your Bible, you need to get back to the Bible. The Bible is our source. The Bible is our foundation. It's, that is where you're going to draw your strength. To get little niblets every day is not enough. We need to get down and we need to read the, the foundation of what we believe and we need to get that from reading the Bible. When we look at the Scripture, it talks about that the Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. In other words, this is God speaking to you. This is God speaking to you. Now, and I do, I believe this, and I mentioned this to our Sunday school this morning. I do believe if God was to peer out of heaven today, if He's decided that God wanted to say something to the whole earth today, and He was to peel back the clouds, and He was to appear in the cloud, and He was to speak to the world today audibly, He would not say anything that was not already in the Word of God today. Everything that God wants from you and desires of you, He has already put it, put it in the fulfilled revelation of the Word of God. It is here. I also said this this morning. If you want to hear the audible words of God, read your Bible out loud. You just read your Bible out loud and you will hear the audible words of God because this is the Word of God. So as my introduction this morning to the series that we're about to go through, next week I'm going to focus on what the Bible says about doctrine, what we believe, why we believe it, where is it contained in our Scripture. We're going to look at that next week. Uh, I, was, I, heard a man, I heard about a man that was riding on an airplane and uh, this guy was sitting here reading his Bible and Another guy sitting next to him looked over and remarked to him, and he says, you don't believe what you're reading there, do you? And he says, well, yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, I believe everything in it. That man looked back at him, and he says, you know, that's just a bunch of fairy tales. I mean, you believe that this guy was swallowed by a whale? What, what was his name? He said, oh, that was Jonah. He said, yes, I believe. I, I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. I believe that he was there and now he, is, he was uh, spit out and he is living to tell about it today. He said, really? He said, can you explain to me how a man can be swallowed by a whale and live to tell about it? He said, no, I really can't. But I'll tell you what I'll do. When I get to heaven, I'll ask him about it. That man says, well, what are you going to do if he's not in heaven? I said, well, if he's not in heaven, then you can ask him about it. <laughs> so, 
But as we said and we think about the events and the things that the Bible talks about, listen to some of these things. It's amazing to read of some of these events in the Bible. And we, I'm telling you, some of them seem to be unbelievable that a man walks on water when Jesus walked on the water. It's hard to believe that when God parted the Red Sea for estimated five to six million people to walk through the Red Sea that they walked through on dry ground. That's, that's kind of hard to believe. Or even when, when they crossed the Jordan River when it was at flood stage and these five or six million people walked across the Jordan River on dry ground. When it tells us about a little old boy that stands up and fights a nine-foot giant and he, he's able to defeat him with a slingshot. Or when, when Jacob was fighting a, a group of armies that had come against him and he says, God, I don't have enough daylight to defeat this army and God allows the sun. Listen, God stopped the universe and allowed the sun to stand still for almost a full day to allow him to finish fighting the battle. Or how the dead can be raised back to life. Or how fire can be come down from heaven and light an altar. Or even better than that, here's a man that's standing there and a chariot of fire comes and swoops him up and takes him to heaven without him even dying. Oh my goodness. We're kind of stretching it, aren't we? Sickness and death and disease and blindness are all healed. Surely we must be a little off to believe in all of these things that's written in the Bible. Surely, I'm telling you, that's what the world is coming to today. You Christians, this, y'all are just a little off bubble here because something's wrong. You're a little fry short of a Happy Meal. You're, you're a few logs short of a load. Uh, something's got to be up with y'all. Well, let me tell you, I take the Bible by faith that every single word of it is true. And, and, and let me tell you this. I believe the Bible proves itself enough to show us that it is the truth. And I want us to look at a few of these things. But before we do that, let me give you just a few facts about the Bible. The Bible was written over a 1600-year period from 1500 B.C. to around 100 A.D., so it was about a 1,500 to 1,600-year period there. But did, now, do you notice this? That I said that 1,500 years B.C., that means 1,500 years before Christ came on the earth. Well, when we look at the Old Testament, we realize the Old Testament is 4,000 years prior to Christ coming. So God let Moses in on a few things. God told Moses of things that took place 2,500 years prior to Moses even being alive. Do you remember, when you read in the book of Genesis, it says, and Adam said this, and Eve said this, and God said this. I want you to know, God let Moses know the exact conversation that was taking place in the garden some 2,500 years before Moses was even born. And it is accurate, and everything is exactly on, and it is because God gave Moses the words to put down. It was a, the Bible was written by approximately 40 different men. Now, I didn't say that the Bible had 40 different authors. 
I said it was written or penned by 40 different men. And the reason that I say it doesn't have 40 different authors because first or Second Peter 1 and 20 says this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is why we can hold this in our hand and say that this is the inerrant Word of God because it has one author from the beginning to the end, and God just simply used mighty men and holy men of God to record the thoughts and the pleasures of the Holy Spirit that He desired for us to have. The Bible contains 66 books. 39 of those are in the Old Testament. 27 are in the New Testament. The Bible has been translated into 2,883 languages. There are over... 100 million Bibles sold every year. The Bible is the number one selling book in the world and it has sold over 5 billion copies. The one thing that makes the Bible stand out above every other book published is this one thing and that's prophecies. No other religious book in the world puts prophecies in a book that have consistently come true. Now, when I say consistently come true, there are people, the, the National Inquiry prophesies all the time. But that doesn't mean that they come true. But they're always prophesying. But this, in the Bible, the Bible has prophecies that have been pronounced and every single prophecy when it has come to be fulfilled, has been fulfilled in the time that it is to be fulfilled. As a matter of fact, uh, there are 6,300 scriptures in the Bible that pronounce prophecy. Let me say it again. 6,300 scriptures in the Bible that prophesy. Of those 6,300, 3,200 of those scriptures have already come to pass. Of those six, so approximately, we can just say about half of the prophecies in the Bible have already come to pass. As a matter of fact, and just let me give you an example, in the Old Testament Scriptures, uh, over 300 prophecies concerning Jesus and His life were in the Old Testament Scriptures. Before Jesus was crucified, uh, most of those Scriptures had been already fulfilled, but on the last day of Jesus' life here on this earth, 25 prophecies were fulfilled in a 24-hour period from the time that Judas would deny Christ and have him turned over and have him arrested and that Jesus would be pierced and that his blood would be shed along with the water and that his garments would be gambled for. 25 were fulfilled in one single day. So as I'm doing this research, I was listening and, and, and I read this thing. It says, do you know what the chances of that happening ever 25 predictions coming true in a single day? If you were to go to 17 different states that had the lottery and you were to turn in your numbers in 17 different states in a single day and you were to win all 17 lotteries, that is the chance of 25 prophecies happening in a single day. 
Let me tell you, this is the true, divine, holy Word of God. It is inerrant in everything that is here. That tells us that there are 3,100 scriptures that contain prophecy in them today that is yet to be fulfilled. Those days are coming, and I will promise you, we're seeing things being fulfilled everywhere around us, even today. So when we're talking about it, and we're giving background of whether or not we should have faith and trust in what the Bible says, I'm telling you, you can have faith that the Bible is true. Listen, the Bible is not a history book, but it is historical. The Bible is not a science book, but it is scientific. The Bible is not just a facts book, but everything in it is factual. Listen, I want you to know that the Bible also proves itself through science. And listen, I didn't have time to put all of these things down that the Bible says about science. And I'm telling you, the Bible is not about science. Okay? I want you to know the whole Bible is about a relationship between God and man that has been broken. And it's the restoration of our relationship. Along the way, though, you hear these factual statements that God makes that are just like gems to us. For example, in Jeremiah 33 and 22, the Bible tells us exactly how many stars are in the sky. It tells us exactly how many stars. It says there's so many stars you can't count them all. That's what it says. They're innumerable. That's exactly how... They're innumerable. But did you know in the science books back in the 30s and the 40s, did you know in those classroom science books, it proclaimed that there were somewhere around 3,000 stars in the heavens. You want to know why that was? They didn't have the telescopes that we have today. I don't know why when they were writing these textbooks that they did not go back to the Word of God and when they look up in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 22 where it says that the stars are innumerable and write down in their textbooks that the stars are innumerable. But they didn't do that. What they done was they went out there and went one, two, three, four, five, six. They counted every star and we can only believe what we see. Because you see the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, that it is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is good for, for doctrine, for, uh, for correction, for reproof, uh, for fulfillment of righteousness, to teach us how to be righteous in God's eyes. That's what the Bible teaches us. But it tells us. As a matter of fact, the scientists now estimate, now it's been about an 80 or 90 year period now, since they produced the book that said there was 3,000, now since they've got the Hubble telescope, they have microphones. Listen, did you know, did you know the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 41 that every star is different? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 41. It tells us that every star is different. It's different in the way that it, 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 it looks. It's different in the frequency that it produces. When the scientists come up with these high-powered microphones, what they started doing is they started pointing them at these stars. And they realized that every single star put off a different frequency. I mean, it was like a musical note. It was a tone. They pointed at this one, 
and they'd see a tone. Pointed at this one, different tone. The Bible said that. Scientists just should look in the Bible to get all these facts, to get them straight before they write this stuff. But then this is what they done. They took that microphone and they started pointing it in areas where there was no stars, straight into the darkness, and began to listen. And they could hear stars in spaces that they could not even see a star. The universe went beyond what they could detect. And then the Hubble telescope came along, and then they started looking at the galaxies. They estimate now, over 90 years, now they're estimating that there are 10 to the 21st power the number of stars in our universe. 10, that's a 10 with 21 zeros. Now let me ask you this. Did you know that scientists have even estimated the number of grains of sand that's on the earth? Did you know that? Somebody's got way too much time on their hands. They estimate that the number of sands on the earth is 10 to the 23rd power. So you go out there and next time you walk on the beach and you're kicking up sand, understand you could be kicking stars. That's just how many there are out there. It's just amazing. It's, again, I want you to know, the Bible is not a science book, but it tells us about science. In Jeremiah chapter 31 uh, in Jeremiah 31, 35 through 36, it tells us how God controls the universe around us. It tells us how the sun rises and how it goes down and how He controls. It says how He controls the moon and the stars and the brightness of them. It tells us how the waves, how He makes the waves roll in the ocean. It tells us how He controls the universe. In Job chapter 26, in verse number 7, it tells us that the earth hangs on Nothing. Nothing. Do you know what the Buddhists believe? The Buddhists believe that there is a large turtle and the earth sits on top of this large turtle's back. Have you ever heard such? They've got to be able to physically touch it and see it. That's that's the only thing that can explain it. It's impossible for the earth to just stay out there all on its own and stay perfectly in orbit the way it does. But God says He hung the earth in its place. It also describes our weather systems and the winds. And the Bible refers to them as currents. When you hear a weather forecaster forecast the weather, I want you to know he could have gone to the Bible and the Bible tells us exactly how the winds and how God controls the winds and the currents and how they sustain every day. He talks about how the water system on the earth works and they have some scientific name I couldn't pronounce. But how the water, it rains down, it goes into the streams which go to feed to the rivers which the river feeds to the oceans and the ocean never fills up. And it just repeats and it repeats and it repeats and as it does this, the water is refined and the water is cleaned and the water is purified. And as it goes through the ground and we are able to pull it up through wells and all of that, God created that. The Bible tells us that and we're just finding it out later on. I love this. That it tells us also that before, uh, let, me, let me find his name here, 300 years before Aristotle discovered that the earth was not flat. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that the earth was a sphere 
or a circle. It's in Isaiah, and it describes that the earth is a sphere and that it is circle and it sets on and it spins. And the Bible tells us that three hundred years later, Aristotle said, uh, "Hey guys, the earth is not flat. The earth is round." And, and, and he began to describe his time scientific evidence. Then just go to the Bible. Just go to the Bible. The Bible explains it all to us. I like this. This new lady, and I'm, I don't know her name. Some of you may know her name. Up in New York is saying, Hey, we better in 10 years the world is not going to be the same anymore. Our grandkids are not going to be able to wake up to an earth. Listen, this is what he's... We better get rid of all the cows. Oh my goodness, the cows are ruining America. Get rid of all the cows. We've got to shut down all of the cars. Do away with all of the airplanes because our earth is... We're destroying ourselves. All she's got to do is read the Bible. All she's got to do is read the Bible. Psalms 102 says this. Psalms 102 verse 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them, talking about the earth, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. Let me tell you, when sin entered this world, when God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, they were perfect. Everything about them was perfect. God intended for Adam and Eve to live on this earth eternally until sin was introduced by our decision, and sin began to destroy this earth and this earth began to wear out like a garment. There's nothing we can do about it, folks. Nothing we can do about it. When we read in Peter, and I didn't write that scripture down, I, can't, I think it's Second Peter, it tells us that the elements of the earth, the elements are going to burn away on this earth. Now when you describe how the elements can be burned away, we have several examples of how that has taken place already on the earth, and it was nuclear fission. When these bombs were dropped, the nuclear fission destroyed, and everything in its path was melted. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that the day is coming when this earth will burn. Nothing we do, nothing we say, nothing we try to stop is going to prevent that from happening one day. Understand, the Bible says it, that is a prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled, but it is guaranteed to happen. It is guaranteed to happen. Now, there's, we get to the point now, and we, we could just start right there, and we could start discussing and talking about uh, the Scripture is given for the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for these things. I just want us to make sure that we understand this morning there is more evidence in this world today that the Bible is true, that the Bible is accurate, the Bible is the complete revelation that God has for us, and we need no more. There is not, there is not going to be any further revelation. Uh, if you look in the back of my Bible, I don't have any places. It's, there's none of those little red, uh, round binders for me to add pages to the back of this. This is the complete revelation of the Word of God to mankind today, and it is sufficient for you and me. The greatest thing and the greatest thing that we have, 
when we hear the Word of God and respond to the Word of God, this Bible is a letter that has been given to us by God for man. This is a book that is given by God, but it is for man. Let me read one more scripture. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, and it seems like I've used this scripture quite a lot lately, but it says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. In other words, this is what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. He said, listen, I came to you and I preached to you the Word. I gave you Scripture. And when I gave you Scripture, it says, you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Don't tell people about Jesus. Give people the Word of God. The Scripture tells us that if you will present someone with the Word of God, it will not come back void. Now, if you tell them a nice little sweet story about what happened when Jesus was a little boy or something, listen, that's fine and dandy, but I'm telling you, the Word, God's Word has power. God's Word is the one that affects the minds and the hearts of people. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piecing even to the dividing of sunder of the soul and spirit, of the joints and the moral, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I remember, I remember Philip Gray was his name. He was preaching a revival at Oakland Baptist Church outside revival, a Brush Arbor revival. We helped put up the post and put the, the, the stuff on top to make it a Brush Arbor revival. I remember he stood in the pulpit and he preached the Word and he spoke and he said, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved and you will miss the fiery pits of hell. Let me tell you, at nine years old, that got my attention and when I heard it, I believed it, and by God's grace, He saved me that night from damnation, from hell, from the punishment of sin. He set me free from the wages of sin. Praise God! Praise God! And it came, it came from right here. Right here. So as we begin this series of lessons, and we're talking about the Word of God, as we begin next week, we're going to understand that what is in the Word of God is is good for doctrine. In other words, we're going to be able to sit down and go, you know what? I can base everything that I believe on the words that I read from this book because this is God's Word. And we're going to begin there next week. But let me, let me just share for just a second with you what the Bible also says. The Bible also declares to you and me that every one of us are sinners. The Bible declares to us that the only reason that Jesus came to this earth was to save you. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then it says, But God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him 
might be saved. We need to understand this morning that God sent His Son Jesus so He can have a relationship with you. That's what God's Word is here for, to have a relationship with you. Do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? If you have a relationship with Jesus, is that relationship strained? The Bible tells you how to get right back on track. Are you there this morning? You don't have a relationship with Jesus. I just quoted a scripture that will establish that relationship by confessing that Jesus is Lord. Let's stand together this morning. I don't know where you stand this morning in your relationship with God. I've, I know most of you. I know most of you personally. And I know that most of you in this room today confess and Jesus is Lord. But where is your relationship this morning? I want you to know when we look at, the God, at God's Word and it says that the Bible is good for doctrine, hey, most of us in here have believed that Jesus is Lord. But it also says it's good for reproof. It also says it's good for correction. It, it also says it's good for the, our walk in righteousness. Sometimes when we, we look in the Word of God, the Word of God is like a mirror and we look into it and it identifies things in our lives that are maybe out of, out of touch. This morning, God gives us all an opportunity to renew that relationship. If you need to do that this morning or if you need to be saved, you come this morning as we sing this hymn of invitation. Father, again, I want to thank you for the time that you've given us here this morning. I pray that you'll be pleased with every decision that's made here. Thank you for your word. I don't know what we'd do without it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond if you need to respond.